0: than ever before because radical doesn't mean crazy hell yes we're going to take your ar-15
1: with the help of the media big tech and the global elite the left is attempting to seize control of my generation it's time to fight back it's time to let freedom ring hello we are on the beginning of a new hour we have uh patrick witt on he he'll be coming on in just a second um but actually patrick can you hear me maybe i hit the wrong one hold on patrick can you hear me oh hold on hold on patrick can you hear me now sorry
0: i can yes good morning
1: I, i hit the mute button good morning patrick i'm still trying to learn all this fancy technology how are, you, how are you doing, Patrick? Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners?
0: Yeah, doing great. Thank you so much for having me on, Noah. It's a pleasure to, uh, to visit with you and your audience this morning. Um, uh, as you mentioned, my name is Patrick Witt. Uh, I'm one of the candidates, one of the many candidates in Georgia's 10th district. There are a lot uh, of Former me. Trump administration official and uh, serve on the president's post-election legal team.
1: Cool. So actually, let's talk about that. So I saw an article yesterday. read it a little bit. I want uh, Maybe it was Daily Wire. Um, The title was "Cheap Mail is Back. Oh, that kind of sounds like a Breitbart title now that I think about it. Uh, The police in California arrested a man in a car with 300 unopened ballots, a lot of drugs, and some guns. Now, unfortunately, Patrick, those guns have now been sent to Afghanistan to the Taliban, but the drugs (laughs) were not. So...
0: You know, they ought to send the ballots, too, because I think the Taliban might also want to cast some votes for Joe Biden these days. Um, I would. You know,
1: I, I as w- you mentioned,
0: um, you know, serving on the president's post-election legal team down here, I, I got to see it firsthand. And, you know, the media likes to trot out there that, you know, all these, uh, these are conspiracy theories. They're debunked. Well. They're not debunked. Um, they have never actually addressed these credibly. Judges found you know, various loopholes and legal doctrines to try and avoid having to decide the issues. But election fraud is absolutely real. It was rampant here in 2020 in Georgia. Uh, we can talk more about the specific details of it. But, uh, again, yeah, I was let's... on the ground, and I researched uh, all of that personally, led all the data analysis efforts, and uh, know it front and back. I, I wish I didn't. I wish we didn't have this problem. Uh, But it is real and our leaders need to take action to uh, close up all of the the loopholes, the play in the joints, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, This is not an area where we can tolerate uh, error.
1: Let's, I mean, let's, let's talk about it. I, because I, uh, you know, I'm somebody who kind of paid attention to it, but not really, I guess, as much as you did, because you were literally paid to pay attention to it. Um, So really kind of, let's talk about it. So walk me through as if I just woke up, out of a coma and have no idea what's going on. Like where, you know, a lot of people are calling fraud on Dominion. A lot of people are calling fraud on voter verification. A lot of people are calling. You know, w- walk me through it.
0: Yeah, so there's different kinds of of fraud. Obviously, fraud, you know, is a very legal term. You know, has specific meaning to it, and uh, the media loves to latch onto that and say, you know, fraud is specifically someone walking in like you're talking about with 300 ballots. Uh, on behalf of, you know, someone else that they, those individuals didn't actually fill that out. Um, that is, you know, what I might call retail fraud. Uh, then there are a number of other issues with election systems, especially here in Georgia, which you can't necessarily say they're they're kind of retail fraud. You don't have a video of them walking into a, a voting location and dropping off a bunch of ballots or, you know, taking one out of someone's mailbox. But you have all of these issues with the data around Uh, numbers and entries that just don't add up. So I'll give one example. There are over 18,000 people that voted here in Georgia. That's well over the margin of victory for Joe Biden that were registered from vacant lots, right? So do those people exist? Did they actually fill out the ballot? Well, maybe. I can't necessarily say that that was purely fraudulent, but I can tell you that according to the election code, that's an illegal vote. Shouldn't have been counted, right? The election code in Georgia requires you to be registered from your, your place of habitation, and obviously, if the USPS can't deliver mail there, there's no actual physical structure there. Nobody's living there.
1: Listen, Patrick, uh, I think I'm going to have to cancel you because you're being really, really, uh, you're not being very, what's the word, uh, tolerant to those who like to live in trees, okay?
0: <laughs> there's there's another 900 or so that actually apparently live in PO boxes. There's yeah, very, I, there was- Very small people here. There was
1: uh, 200 of them in my county, Camden County, Georgia, I remember. Um, exactly. Roughly something like that. I'm sure you remember that as well. Some, someone. exactly. Yeah,
0: you know, I think the the bottom line with this, you know, we we brought the lawsuit, you know, and again, you know, judges found ways to not decide on the issues. No one actually addressed the the merits. Certainly not the Secretary of State's office. They have not produced one credible, uh, you know, uh, countervailing uh, piece of evidence. They just continually go out there. They offer conclusory statements. Say this is, you know, they say five thousand, we say zero. It's like, all right, well, show me your proof, because right. I can guarantee you, because I know it it was in our lawsuit we have individual names of each individual voter and they have not come out and addressed a single one of those the the bottom line of this is we wanted investigation that's all we were asking for we didn't want you know hey overturn the election uh based on nothing it's like we're we're bringing credible allegations and we just want you to look into it do your job right we elect you to the secretary of state's office lieutenant governor the attorney general the governor and we're asking them to do exactly the duties that they are entrusted with. We, The voters entrusted them uh, to do a number of other things, right? But in these moments, they have the powers to investigate, and they didn't do anything. They sat on the sidelines, or in many cases, they worked actively against us. And I don't think you know, anyone is coming back to the polls until we have uh, elected leaders in there that do what they say they're going to do. And when it, when it actually matters, when the heat gets turned up, they don't just tuck tail and run.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right on that, because, and also, they really should be wanting, um, wanting to do it, because, hey, if you didn't know Brad, Brad is running for re-election somehow, I don't know, but if you didn't know this, Brad, um, you know, you were elected, and you're running for re-election, so it should be your chief concern to, I don't know, maybe make sure that you at least get a fair shake. Now for Brad, he probably doesn't want a fair shake because if he got a fair shake, he might get 3% at 3% of the primary vote. Um, right. I mean, seriously, the fact when I heard he was running again for reelection, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, how is he running again? He is not popular. Uh,
0: it is a mystery. I, he must've, exactly sure he must've cut a check there. to there Dominion some, or something, Patrick. <laughs> there may be some ulterior motives or, or some, uh, you know different actors maybe not uh, Georgia Republicans that are actually funding that re-election campaign.
1: Yeah, probably Democrat uh, probably the Lincoln Project. Um so really so so tell me this. So you know obviously you know, so what do you think really was 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 the biggest? You think it was cuz I think voter verification, signature verification is really, you know, something that needs to be looked at. I'm glad they kind of took it away in a way. Um but so what do you think really was the big problem in the election? Do you think it was voter verification? Do you think it was Dominion? Do you think it was people illegally registering? What do you think?
0: Yeah, so it all comes down to really, you know, two things. One, the absentee ballots, the massive expansion of absentee ballots used under the pretext of COVID um, to to expand this. Actually, over five times the number of absentee ballots ever handled in the state of Georgia happened in 2020. We went from about 200,000 to over a million. Um, so one is absentee ballots. The second is really the the very long, you know, extended period of in-person voting that we have. The more you expand the number of days that you can vote and the number of ways that you can vote, you are expanding the aperture for fraud. Right. So Stacey Abrams, we know her very well in this state, unfortunately. Unfortunately, um, you know, we're, we're giving her a massive opportunity to go out there with a ballot harvesting operation. They go into vulnerable communities and they offer potentially things of value um you know they they manhandle certain people that might be you know physically incapacitated and you think about it it doesn't take much to actually go out there and turn an election elections are decided you know especially in a, a closer state like georgia i wish it weren't this way but um you know it, it doesn't take but you know 100 people going out there and getting 100 ballots each and you've got you know ten thousand ballots there so uh, pretty quickly you can have a, a massive voter ballot harvesting operation that adds up. But, You're 100%. Again, going back to I think
1: uh, I was talking to um, one of David Perdue's advisors, and if on in November he got somewhere in the neighborhood of 8,000 more votes, he would be our U.S. senator right now.
0: Exactly, exactly. I think um, David Perdue has been very gracious and not making a uh, big stink about it, but I think he should be as incensed as anyone, certainly as incensed as the president. And people should be as upset about that race. You know, I didn't uh, crunch the numbers on that one, but I guarantee you I would find the exact same mess there. Mm-hmm. And he suffered the same, you know, overnight, uh, you know, ballot spike that that the president did, um, you know, which ultimately allowed John Ossoff to go to a runoff. I think, you know, people throw out the word white privilege. John Ossoff is the definition of white privilege. There has never been a less qualified you know, less uh, ready for the job, Senator, as John Ossoff. It's a joke that the state of Georgia is represented by that clown.
1: I was talking to um, I was talking to uh, a guy named Mike who called in on the little bit of the last hour, and he was telling me when he started off that he had to call. Uh, I guess, I guess uh, he had to call. What's it, he had to call Senator Cotton to uh, to try to get it to try to get a help to an Afghan refugee. Um, and just imagine, I mean. Johnny Isaacson would have would have done it in a heartbeat. David Purdue would have done it in a heartbeat. You know, David Purdue was at the Naval Academy for a year, and then I think there was a medical issue or something before he had to unfortunately go to Georgia Tech. But these people would have dropped their uh, would have dropped everything they're doing to try to help this person get back. Um, I, I, for one, am ashamed to be represented by those two. Um, right. But okay, so so we understand, you know, your politics. Unfortunately, with doing the live radio show, it's you got you got you got to keep your interviews short, right? I could I could talk to you for two hours, um, no problem. So so we got we so we understand, you know, election fraud, everything like that. Tell us a little bit more, actually, uh, about you a, as a person.
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, second generation Georgian, uh, you know, went to high school over in Gwinnett County, Parkview High School. I was a starting quarterback there. My brother was the quarterback before me. Uh went off to college, got to play uh, football for, for three years, started at Yale, um, you know, went to work in the private sector, ultimately went back to Harvard Law School, uh, graduated again, returned to the private sector. I was uh, a management consultant, uh, worked with some of the biggest, you know, companies out there. So we talk about, you know, kind of globalist, multinational corporations. They're real and they don't give a, you know, a you know what about uh, about Americans. They care about the bottom line. You know, that uh, that is absolutely something that President Trump hit on. He was exactly right in 2016. I wish he had delivered that message a little bit more in, in 2020. But, um, you know, I ultimately went to serve under President Trump, uh, was Deputy Chief of Staff of the Office of Personnel Management, uh, which, you know, is an agency that, uh, you know, $2.3 billion budget, 2,500 people, but in typical government fashion, most people don't know about it. Um, it's an agency that, depending on the president, can either be very active or not active. Under President Trump, obviously, drain in the swamp, uh, OPM was basically the, the enforcement wing of all of those policies. So we were leading the implementation of executive orders, trying to, you know, remove all the protections that various bureaucrats have and the unions. It's a complete mess. Uh, the, U- the U.S. government, you know, at the federal level is basically a big works program. You know, these folks can't be fired. The president can't even fire them. And you realize, you know, I was ignorant to it before going into the administration, you think when you vote for your guy or gal for, for president that, you know, things are going to change. And to an extent, they do. I'm, I'm not saying that leadership doesn't matter. It absolutely does at the top. But you are only affecting, the president only has the ability to appoint about 3,000 to 4,000 people in the federal government. And that's on a workforce of over 2.2 million people, and that's a pretty conservative estimate. So well, you're talking doesn't about doesn't a lot of that than,
1: doesn't a lot of that include the military though? Aren't the military included in that two million people? Or is that actually um,
0: pure workers? Uh, military is not included in that. Golly,
1: we got too many people working for the government. Yeah. We got too many agents that, out here. Yeah,
0: that also does not include the intelligence community either.
1: So, like the Pentagon.
0: Exactly. That's the worst part, CIA. CIA is not included in that, you I know, don't NSA, trust all of that. I don't, all I don't of care. That I'll, never, is I'll never trust the CIA. Um, yeah. But, you know, anyway, to, to kind of finish off the point, you realize when you work in, in federal government, especially in, in the agency that I was working in, sure. we have to do more to dismantle this administrative state that we have because the majority of the laws, the regulations, everything that affects your life, are not really handled by Congress right now because they've given away all their Article I powers to the executive branch. Congress has to take back those powers. We have to dismantle the administrative state because there is no accountability for those bureaucrats. You can't vote them out, and again, you can't vote in a president who can then fire them because they have too many protections. They never actually get dismissed.
1: Right, I was um I was in a class yesterday where we were. You know, it's it's a class about uh legal and business- It's like a, it's a legal class, but it's a business legal class. where We learn about regulations and this at the other. And he asked us, or he he explained that the vast majority of quote unquote you know regulations that are made are made via somebody at the Department of the Interior, somebody at this office, this blah blah this bureau that you've never heard of. And he was asking. He said, you know, what do you guys think about this? And somebody raised their hand and go, oh, you know these people are experts. I was like, you yeah, obviously you've never met anybody who works for the government. But, um, I I raised my hand and I said I, I disagree with it. And he said why? I said because it's really hard to hold John who li- who's in cubicle seventy five out of two thousand accountable because I don't know he's the one who created it. But it's really easy to hold my congressman accountable because he voted for it, and that's really what what we did. So really, I'm gonna ask you a question here. Two two things. One, why do you think that it is that? Congress just decided, hey, yeah, the one power we have to make laws and legislation and regulations we'll give away. And two, do you think you, you could see a a future where maybe that comes back uh, cuz I think I think, you know, regulations do do harm a lot of business. Not necessarily businesses from happening at all, just really delays many things getting through. I mean, as we saw when regulations were cut, we got a vaccine as quickly as we did.
0: Right. Right. No, to answer your point, I think you know how did it start, and and can we put the uh, you know the the genie back in the bottle, so to speak? Uh, first question, I I think it's it's difficult, right, to legislate. It's difficult to get into the details, and so it's easy for Congress just to outsource this. And back, you know, during you might want to say FDR was really the expansion of the administrative state um they discovered that it was much easier for them to just outsource this right they pass a law they bury it within a thousand page bill and then it's somebody else's problem and you know no one actually realizes until much later when the regulation gets passed they jump up and down because their business gets shut down rightfully so and then they go back to their elected leaders and maybe those elected leaders aren't even there anymore right it's a way to kind of bury and uh offload that burden of accountability and so that's Obviously, for people that, you know, a lot of our elected leaders care more about getting reelected than they do about doing the right thing, that is a very appealing way uh, to basically, you know, offload that responsibility. Um, You know, can we put it, uh, you know, reverse this course uh, going forward? I absolutely think we can. I think at the end of the day, you know, if you're a believer in federalism as a conservative, you know, we are. Uh, Most of these regulations, most of these issues should be handled by the states. The federal government has been on a just continuous path of usurping all of the rights of the states, probably directly since the Civil War, um, and so I think the answer is, you know, a lot of these uh, are not things that the federal level should be handling in the first place. They should be state regulations, and obviously, the the government that is you know closest to the people is going to be most responsive to them. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, I, I think you know, bringing some of those uh, functions back to Congress, you know, people will be aware of what the federal government is actually doing. And they might, you know, vote in people like me who believe that a lot of these are probably regulations that shouldn't exist at all. So it's a combination of if we do need regulation, let the state do it. Um, If we don't need the regulation, vote in people who are going to get rid of these regulations. It was one of the things that I loved about Trump, you know, kind of the uh, slash and burn for every one new regulation, we repeal too. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. a great, simple policy. I think we could Uh, Go back to that. Certainly the uh, Biden administration is is pumping out regulations at a record
1: pace. Do you think it was a coincidence that once he starts cutting a bunch of these regulations that the economy started taking off? I don't think it was a coincidence (laughs) at all.
0: I don't I don't think so at all. I think a lot of business leaders, you know, felt the breath of fresh air. And, uh, you know, they finally started investing again and they were able to, you know, um, you know, hire people Mm -hmm. uh, without all the, the regulations that they have to go through for that. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, business, you know, I, I always find it funny, these uh, governors and, you know, various elected leaders that go out there and take credit for, uh, for the economic expansion that might happen under their watch. Government does not create jobs. We know that, right? And so the only thing you can really do as a government official is try and unwind the clock of all these regulations and try and free people up. They're going to create the jobs on their own. We have a lot of hungry people in this country, entrepreneurs. Uh, people with ambition—if you get off their backs—they will surprise you. They will impress you, uh, because Americans just have that. It's in our DNA. I've lived abroad; it's not everywhere. Uh, we have that, and we need to allow people to once more create their own American dream. Right?
1: Right. So let me ask you. So let me ask you this: You—you you were a quarterback at uh, at Yale, correct? Correct. You heard the story about the guy, the, the congressman or senator way back in the eighteen hundreds who broke a cane on the other senator, and then they kept sending him canes.
0: Calhoun, yes. Okay,
1: so let me ask you this, because, you know, freshman congressman, you'll probably sit in the back. How many footballs we got to send you? I'm going to write your number down for you to just keep throwing them at Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> how many, you know, how, how many? I'll, I'll write it down. I'll make sure that we get it. How, how many are we talking?
0: I don't know. Just given the fact that she's existed for so long up there in D.C., she's probably pretty slippery, so I probably need, you know, at least five or six before I finally tagged her with one. All right, we'll go ahead and write,
1: well. down 50. Um, <laughs> 50. I, write down 50. 50. I'll take
0: 50. them. I'll take them.
1: What okay, so yeah, that's yeah, that'd be funny. That'd be, you, I don't know if it's illegal actually. You could say it was an accident, say you were trying to play catch with Maxine Waters or something. So, by you've had a very way, interesting no, yes, not
0: to uh, not to interrupt you. One thing to, to mention, you mentioned Calhoun, he was recently a victim of cancel culture himself. So, one of the colleges up at Yale is actually named after Calhoun, or rather, was named for Calhoun, but he recently fell victim. Uh, and his name was removed from all of the, uh, university buildings where it was located.
1: Well, you know, it is what it is. Um, cancer culture really is, you know, it's something, uh, you know, it's the worst. I think it's the worst part of humanity personally. I mean, if we can't grow as a humanity, then we have no shot. I mean, people change all the time. I mean, you know, if, if we, if we never progressed as a society, then Plessy versus Ferguson would still be the law of the land, and when you and I obviously, but right. bo- hopefully, you and I—I've never asked directly asked you. Hopefully, you and I both believe that's a terrible. Plessy versus Ferguson was a terrible <laughs> right. thing. I guess I've never asked you. Don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, yes, no, I agree. So yes, yeah, so we got about five more minutes here before we got to go back to break. Um. So really, tell me. So I mean, first off, I do have another question. What is it about the 10th district? D- does the 10th district congressman get paid an extra 50k? Like, why are people who don't live in the <laughs> district? I'm not going to say names. Timothy Barr. Uh, running for the 10th district? Like, what is what is it about the 10th? You guys love Jody Heist that much? What's going on?
0: You know, I, I, I don't know uh, is the short answer. There's definitely uh, a... There's other open candidates. seats. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, you know, I think, you know, maybe... Um, maybe it's the, the makeup of the district itself. You know, obviously, a lot of, uh, you know, congressmen and women uh, exist in swing districts and that life of campaigning every two years, it really never ends. And so, um, you know, living in kind of permanent campaign mode, constantly having to raise money fundraisers obviously doesn't allow you to do the job of, you know, the Congressman actually, you know, making policy and sure, being sure. involved in, in the committee. So, uh, that would probably be my most uh, generous, uh, interpretation of, of the number of people that have jumped in this race in particular is what is the number? You know, now? As it, I think it's 14. Um, well, that's how many congressional districts we have. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we could all distribute to a different one.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but I, I think, you know, um, in my mind, you know, it's it's the fact that it is, a, a, as currently drawn, a safely red district. And so, you know, whoever does win this, I, I have confidence that we're going to get a great conservative out of this district. I believe that I am the right one. Um, but even if not, I, I do think we are going to get a strong conservative, and I will certainly be holding them accountable if it's not me. Um, but that person will have an opportunity to really make change happen within the house because they won't have to focus constantly as so many swing district congressmen do on the constant fundraising and, and just kind of running a a permanent campaign.
1: You know, that, that is true. You know, I think it probably does, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene won election her first time by like 50 points. Um, So it probably does. You're, you're hundred percent correct by that. Um, So we got about three minutes left. I'll let you kind of, you know, tell people where they can find you. Um, how they you know can get involved, whatever it may be. So give them you know a three minute elevator pitch where they can find you and everything.
0: <laughs> so the easiest way to find me, uh, PatrickWitt.com, W-I-T-T, PatrickWitt.com. Uh, folks can go there, read a little bit more about my background. As I mentioned, I'm a former football player, former Trump administration official, um, and uh, certainly have uh, you know a lot of uh, war stories from fighting on the battlefield. You know, a lot of the other candidates in the race, they talk about. Uh, fighting for election integrity, eliminating critical race theory. I've done those things. I've actually done them in government down here in Georgia, post-election, fighting on the president's legal team. So I have, I have the battle scars, so to speak. And, you know, the challenge for me is a new candidate. Uh, a lot of people don't know my name, don't know my face. Well, that's because I've been busy actually doing all the things that all the other people just talk about. Um, so I would love for folks to go to patrickwitt.com, read a little bit more about me. Uh, I'm definitely a younger candidate. Uh, In this field, I believe I am the youngest, or maybe there's uh, one kid who's an activist who's a little bit younger, but... um, I think there's a
1: 13-month-old baby running, too.
0: (laughs) I would not be surprised. But, you know, part of my message is, you know, all the tax cuts we want to pass, you know, regulations we want to repeal, none of that matters if we continue to lose the next generation of young people. And a big part of what I will do if elected to Congress is I will continually engage, reach out to go to high schools, go to middle schools, even talk to younger people and try and snatch them whoa, back whoa, from the jaws whoa. of socialism whoa, 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 and communism.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're taking my job here. Calm down. That's that's, I, <laughs> that's what I do. No, it's a, okay, it's calm down, Patrick. And, okay.
0: Yeah, it's it's a partnership, and I, I value what you do. Um, you're incredibly talented. You speak to people in a way that, you know, someone who's 60 years old and in retirement years just really can't, you know, and at the end of the day, it, it requires a, a the right messenger, Uh, in order to reach young people. And I believe I can appeal in that way. And again, if we don't do that, if we continue to allow young people to run into the arms of the Democrats, uh, whether it's through, you know, indoctrination that they get at school or stuff that they see on social media and TV, then all is lost. None of the rest of it matters. And that's why it's so important to me as a younger guy in this race to make clear that I believe I am the right person to spread the message uh, to younger people all over the country.
1: I think you're hundred percent right. And good good congratulations, you were able to get patrickwitt.com. Some guy reached out to me after I got noaring.org because I guess I inquired about noaring.com. They wanted to charge me like four thousand dollars. The guy's name was Tyler. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> four four thousand dollars for screw that. I bought Noaring.com, Noah yeah. Ring.online, vote Noah Ring. I bought all these things. I was like uh uh-uh, uh this ain't happening no more
0: Right. Um, I think they're like digital squatters, is what they call it. It's smart, though. Like
1: I do. I got a buddy who makes a lot of money off If I found out he was the one who owned my name, I would be so mad. But Patrick, thank you so much for coming on. Call in anytime. Um, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And uh, we will be back on the next hour. We'll be taking your calls 904 441 8283. Again, 904 441 8283. Do you support law enforcement? I myself am proud to be a big supporter of law enforcement. That is why I've partnered with WeBackTheBlue.co. We Back The Blue is wants to provide money to those who have fallen in the line of duty and help take care of the families of those who are no longer with us because they fought the good fight and defended our community and gave up the ultimate sacrifice. If you go to WeBackTheBlue.co, again WeBackTheBlue.co, you can get a thin blue line bumper sticker, and all you have to do is pay two ninety nine shipping and handling. Again, all proceeds. From this promotion, go back to helping the men and women of law enforcement who have given their lives. The money goes to taking care of their family. It's a great, great program. WeBackTheBlue.co. Again, WeBackTheBlue.co. Have you heard that everyone under the age of 25 is a socialist? I know I have. That's why I want it to be different, and that's why I created Satilla River Apparel. Look, it's no secret. I'm a big fan of the Second Amendment, and I'm a big fan of hunting. Even though the Second Amendment, we all know, was not created for hunting, I'm a big fan of hunting. And that being said, I'm a big fan of fishing as well, and that's why I created SatillaRiverApparel.com. Satilla River Apparel is great, great American-made quality clothes at a fraction of the cost of my competitors. And I'm created it for those of you, like me, who like the outdoors, like going fishing, like going hunting, like going out on the boat on Saturday. If you'd like to pick one up, Go to SatillaRiverApparel.com forward slash NOAA for 10% off. Make sure you put NOAA in the promo code box for 10% off your order. Again, that is SatillaRiverApparel.com, S-A-T-I-L-L-A-R-I-V-E-R-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Are you someone like me who you want to eat healthy, but you're too busy to make a protein shake in the morning? That is why I eat Bilt Bar. Built Bar is 130 calories, only has 2.5 grams of fat, 4 carbs, and 4 sugar. No nuts. Has a lot of fiber, 17 grams of protein, and it's only 130 calories. I start my morning every day with a Bilt Bar. And that's why I'm glad to announce that they have sponsored this podcast. If you go to BiltBar.com and you pick out whatever you want, then if you use code let freedom ring you'll get 12% off that is builtbar.com use code use code let freedom ring for 12% off they have great things they're way better than all of their competitors in my opinion use builtbar.com code let freedom ring for 10 for 12% sorry 12% off of your order again builtbar.com For those of you who live in the state of Georgia, I will be speaking at the Columbia County GOP. It's at the clubhouse on Jones Creek. I will be speaking there Saturday morning. Doors open at 8.30. Breakfast gets served at 9 a.m. I will be speaking there in Augusta, Georgia. I will also be speaking in Gilmer County, Georgia on September 4th. At the God and Country Civic Revival event, I'll be speaking alongside David Belisle, Vernon Jones, State Superintendent Richard Woods, and many other people. I do have a 20-minute spot, so... They apparently think I can keep people entertained for that long, so make sure you come out. I would love to, uh, any of you, anybody who picked up my book, The ABCs of Politics from the Eyes of a High Schooler, I'd love to sign it for you, and I'd love to meet each and every one of you. It's always humbling to meet you guys. So, again, that's Gilmer County on September 4th in Columbia County this Saturday, August 28th. Also, if you live in the state of Georgia and you are tired of how the... AJC, and the other liberal elite papers cover the state, I started a new podcast called Let's Talk Georgia. Here's what that intro sounds like. Are you tired of your news being watered down by the mainstream elite in Atlanta? Well, if so, you're in the right place. My name's Noah Ring, and this is Let's Talk Georgia, your place to keep up with everything happening in Georgia without any of the bias. So if you like what you heard there in the intro, definitely was not made by me because I'm not that good with audio in- interfacing. But if you like what you heard, check it out everywhere you listen to podcasts. If you're listening to this not live, but on podcast, you can click Ring X Media, and it will take you to Let's Talk Georgia. It's a great show. We have great guests coming on. We had Burt Jones on last week. We have Jake Evans on this week. Give it a shot. And without further ado, we are back, and you are listening to the fastest-growing podcast and radio show hosted by a college conservative, Let Freedom Ring.
0: Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Free speech is under assault like never before.
1: Freedom is under attack more now than ever before.
0: Because radical doesn't mean crazy.
1: Hell yes, we're going
0: to take your AR-15.
1: With the help of the media, big tech, and the global elite, the left is attempting to seize control of my generation. It's time to fight back. It's time to let freedom ring. Hello, hello, everybody. we got about 25 minutes left before you can go and uh, listen to somebody a little bit more entertaining. We do have a guest on for this last 25 minutes. His name is Joshua, uh, GOP Josh. He goes by. And Josh, can you hear me? Are you on the show? Hello, hello. Josh, good to have you on. I've known Josh for a while. Josh is way smarter than I was at 15, I believe you are, Josh, correct? 15, 15, yes, yes. Cool. And Josh, now, if I'm correct, you wanted to talk about the Ohio Senate races, correct? Yes,
2: I do. You talk a lot about Georgia, which I understand it's your home, your home state. But Ohio is my state, and I want to talk about that to you today.
1: Well, yeah. Well, you live. You're lucky. You live in a red state. I, I live in a socialist state. It feels like. So uh, let's yeah, talk well, about it. So luckily, Ohio is a red state. So, so <laughs> I remember. yeah, I remember. I remember the good times when when my state was a red state. But so let's let's talk about it. So you you explain it. Actually, I guess you're the expert. I mean, so there's a lot of candidates in this race. I think there's like six or
2: seven now, at least, Republican-wise. There's like two Democrats. But, I mean, they're, they're all clinging to Trump's name, which is really interesting to watch. Some that were anti-Trump, some that called Trump supporters racists. Now, clinging to Trump's name, like, it's their only hope at getting elected. It's just really interesting to me with that. Got any I names I want to know your there? thoughts.
1: Drop some Sorry. names, Josh. Who are we talking about? Uh, drop some names. Uh, this show does well, go live in Ohio, so be careful.
2: Oh well, uh, apparently uh, God wouldn't like the Trump voters because they're racist, according to uh, JD Vance. Oh, let's see here. Josh Mandel just was gone for like two years after he lost.
1: Where'd he go? There, there's
2: a there. There's the two biggest ones there, the two front runners
1: that are clinging to Trump's name. So what is this? is this? now you endorsed uh, Jane Temkin? 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 Yes,
2: Temkin. Temkin.
1: Yes. Yeah, I've been trying to get her on the show, but she, uh, you know, she. Uh, her team is being very slow getting back. I was like, fine, don't come on. does not bother me. I got <laughs> I got people calling me all the time trying to get on. So fine. I can fill I can fill time. Um so yeah, okay. So uh, let's also talk. So you a couple of I guess it's probably about a month ago now. You uh you a couple of weeks you supported uh, Mike Carey as well for correct for uh, for Congress. Yes. What what so what what made you support Mike and Jane? So starting with mike
2: carey i met mike before trump's endorsement he came to a really small town near me called london ohio it's in the district mm-hmm. and he came and spoke and i joined him he i didn't speak obviously but i joined him talked to him and he he was really he was really articulate with what his ideas were he was able to respond to any question anyone in the crowd throughout even when one of them was about a state issue and he's running for a federal office
1: mm-hmm.
2: excuse me and he was with cory Lewandowski, and. And Corey Lewandowski gave an amazing testimony for on behalf of Mike Carey and that pretty much not his endorsement alone, but before Trump endorsed, I endorsed Mike Carey just from meeting him, talking to him, looking into the other candidates in the race. All of them were career politicians or businessmen who live out of the district. Mm -hmm. And Mike Carey seemed like the best option with that. And I think um, we're going to do really good on November 2nd as well after winning the primary in a landslide on August 3rd.
1: Well, it's a very red district. It's a very red district, too. Um, so, yeah. so let's, so let's get into Jane. What made you support Jane? So with
2: Jane Timken, I looked into Josh Mandel. I knew JD Vance was going to run. Josh Mandel has some shady things in his past. I think he's like almost $2 million of taxpayer money for an ad campaign. I only like 50, 50,000 people signed up, sign up for a, uh, for a government service or something with, uh, urban Meyer, which is the Ohio state, former Ohio state coach
1: he's so now like he's now attack. gunslinging with with Trevor Lawrence down there in Duval County Georgia, or Duval County Florida.
2: Yeah, but with Josh and Josh Mandel, he ran those ads and he just he's very Twitter based. He he's trying to run on that Trump Twitter. Uh, oh, I can say these things on Twitter that makes me qualified to run for Congress or for, run for Senate. He's ran two other times, this third run, he's failed every time. He didn't do a great job as treasurer, and I honestly just couldn't get behind supporting him. I don't think he's as conservative as he claims. That's just my opinion on him. And J.D. Vance obviously said he is clinging to the Trump name, and I don't think you can change from being a Trump hater. I think his name is Eric McMullen, the libertarian in 2016. Sure, sure. And the independent in 2016 that he supported, saying all Trump supporters are racists to five years later clinging to the Trump name for as your only hope of getting elected. That doesn't sit well with me, especially mm-hmm. when that's all he's using it for is to get elected. So that's why I support Jane Timken. She's the only true uh, candidate in the race who supported President Trump from the beginning when it was not the greatest thing for her. I mean, Josh Mandel, or not Josh Mandel, I'm sorry. Uh, John Kasich had the Ohio Republican Party overran with a bunch of anti-Trump rhinos. Yeah, she stood out worry. against the I don't crowd. I uh, imp-
1: don't think there's any John Kasich uh, people here. I think it will be fine. No, I,
2: I just couldn't remember his name for a no, second. you're fine. I'm just telling you. He, nobody likes he had him the, here. He had, He had the party overran with a bunch of anti-Trump rhinos. Uh, Jane Timken came in, got Trump's endorsement for that, and took over the party, helped it become a well-oiled machine, as she likes to say. I worked for the Ohio Republican Party in 2020 under Jane Timken's leadership. I never actually had the the opportunity, I'm sorry, of meeting her, but she is a great candidate from what I've heard. She ran a great party in 2020, Mm -hmm. and I think she has what it takes to be a conservative leader in the Senate.
1: Cool. So... Okay, so if you live if you live in Ohio, you know G- GOP Josh has been a good friend of mine for probably about a year, over a year now. I don't even know. Um, yeah, yeah, sounds like James Kimkin, and obviously you don't really have a choice in it with Mike Carey. Uh, it's actually funny because Josh Mandel does follow me on Twitter, uh, so it'd be funny if he does watch this. Well, but um, I-
2: I've heard that he's kind of revoking follows from people who say one negative thing about
1: him. I've never I I didn't say anything negative about him. You said negative, so well, no. Anyway, but, so yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this: let's, let's get a little bit away from from Ohio for a second. So you know, I'm, I finally get to be the one who interviews a young conservative, right? I'm always a young conservative getting interviewed. So what made you decide? Because you know, when I met you, you were 14. Now you're an old man at 15. <laughs> what made you decide that you really wanted to pursue politics? Uh, be a conservative? Say, hey, Donald Trump's a good guy. What, what really, you know, made you want to do that?
2: Yeah. So I, uh, I got into politics. Funny, around 2016, I was like eight. I was watching the debates because there was nothing else on TV at the time, and I originally supported, unfortunately, Marco Rubio, and then I supported Ted Cruz. So I still support Ted Cruz, just not for president right now obviously, because he's not running, and then I supported President Trump, not, not after Ted Cruz dropped out, but I kind of changed my support throughout that primary, just watching what was on TV, and what made me get involved was I saw the state of the country, and watching the news, because I went to a babysitter every morning, because I live out of my school district, uh, watching the news every day, seeing how in shackles the country was, to be completely honest, I saw that there was a problem with this, I saw that Trump was going to do these great things for this country, which he did, promises made, promises kept. And I really think that that's why I got, I mean, that's why I got involved. But I think that he was the greatest uh, candidate in 2016, and he was obviously the best candidate in 2020. And I got involved because I I saw what was happening to our country, and it wasn't a good, I don't know how to say this. It wasn't how, it wasn't I, saw well. how I envisioned the country. It wasn't how I envisioned the country.
1: Yeah, so, um, so let me ask you this. Um, how's how's Joe Biden doing as commander-in-chief? What do you think?
2: Oh, so uh, obviously the failure in Afghanistan, I think it was a good idea to withdraw the troops. I don't think the way he did it was in the best, the best way. I think we should have withdrawed the troops after we killed Osama bin Laden. That was our original goal. We shouldn't have been nation-building the country, so I completely agree with him there. But I think the way he withdrawed was a failure. I think this was a severe misjudgment on his part just pulling out whenever he decided to pull out right before september 11th i wonder what problems could come from that but with that he failed on the border he's failed on everything else he's put his hands on this infrastructure bill a big waste of money in my opinion that he's trying to sign into law
1: hey, i don't think he... hey hey he's trying to give every american chocolate chocolate chip ice cream okay you calm down uh, the
2: chocolate chocolate chip you know i tried chocolate chocolate chip after seeing that clip it's not that good all you can taste is the chocolate. I'm, much more chocolate a min- I'm more food. a
1: mint chocolate chip guy myself.
2: I just like peanut butter. But uh, <laughs> he, he he's, he's failing. He, I, I don't think anyone doubted that he was going to fail when he started running and he was stuttering every other word which I am right now, and I'm just nervous. But uh, I, I really don't think he is the best candidate. I don't – or not the best candidate. I don't think he's the – greatest country this country's that our greatest president i'm sorry this country's ever had as some liberals wanted to portray him online i really think that he's failing at his job right now
1: so I, I don't know if you listened earlier i think you did listen a little bit uh in march 55% of people thought the country was on track i don't know where they were but now 31% of people do what do you so obviously you're 15 years old you haven't seen a lot of elections uh you saw the 2020 election uh, maybe you paid attention in 2018 i'm not sure Um, But really, what do you think is going to happen come these midterms?
2: Well, we know, like you said earlier, I was listening to the show, the president's party always loses seats or usually it's most common to lose seats because they're tired of how the president's doing or whatever goes into that. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be one of the largest red waves we've seen because Biden is failing at his job. People are opening their eyes. Even people on CNN, I've heard. People, I don't watch CNN, but I've heard people complaining about Joe Biden on CNN. He's absolutely failing at his job. And people are starting to realize that. And they realize the only way to avoid two more years of failure when it comes 2022 is to elect Republicans who are going to stop his radical agenda. And that starts with electing uh, House members and Senate members who are going to be true conservative leaders to stop the radical agenda and true fighters. They're not going to bow to the knee like Rob Portman has with this infrastructure bill like I'm talking about Ohio again. They're going to have strong leaders who are going to stand up to this these terrible this terrible legislation and that is why I think it's going to be a huge red wave come 2022. I don't have exact numbers in my predictions yet but I think we are going to have a very nice majority in both the House and the Senate.
1: Yeah, I was talking to my congressman a couple of months back and this was before uh, Joe Biden sunk so low in the polls um, and he said uh, that they had identified that they had identified about forty seats that they think are very that that could win they that they that they could be competitive in probably at least thirty and some of those in Ohio I'm sure some of those in Georgia uh, all across the country and also a big thing is with some of these districts being moved from California from New York to places like Texas and Georgia or Florida sorry Georgia didn't gain any uh, Florida gained like two Texas gained like three um it'll be it'll be really interesting moving forward so Josh. What what is your, so what, what exactly, you know, do you, obviously I know what you do, but for the people listening, you know, what do you do? Where can people uh, learn more about GOP, Josh, learn more about, uh, you know, I think you have a great voice in terms of the young conservatives, the true young conservatives as well. Uh, and I think you're a really honest guy. And yeah, I'll call you a guy. I don't think you're a kid. I remember I used to hate being called a kid when I was your age doing interviews. So what do you think, where can people find you? Where can they stay in touch with you? And after you do that, where uh, what do you think the future of the um, of the country is? What, what do you think there?
2: Yeah, so my website is gopjosh.com. You can find all my social medias and everything there. Yeah, his um, cell phone number is,
1: gopjosh.com. no, I'm just kidding.
2: No, 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 no. Uh, we're not going to do that. Yeah, we won't But, uh, yeah, my website is com, And what I'm doing right now is I volunteer with campaigns in my area, knocking on doors. I don't know exactly how many I knocked, but I knocked doors and made phones for Mike Carey, obviously, in this past primary. Cause it was a very competitive primary. There were, like, 12 candidates in there. Half of them didn't even live in the district. Wait, wait, Let's but, let's, uh, take a,
1: let's take a sidebar. Let's take a sidebar. You okay. think you can get Mike Carey on the show? I want to interview Mike Carey. You think you can get him on? I,
2: I'll, I'll, I'll do my best.
1: I, I need your help, best. man. I need your help. I'll do my best. The with listeners that, want that.
2: them. All right. Well, I'll, 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 I'll try. I'll, I'll send this to my guys over at the Carrie campaign. Do it. See send it to the Timkin
1: campaign too. I'd like to have I don't wrong. have as
2: many connections in there, but I'll do that as well. Uh, but yeah, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm working with campaigns, volunteering there. I am doing independent social media works. Uh, I have like 4000 followers almost on TikTok which I know TikTok's like a cringe app but almost 4000 followers on TikTok. I am uh I have about 1500 on Twitter trying to get that number up but I'm I'm advocating for these candidates on my show my uh, the conservative crusader trying to show. get true thank you trying to get true conservatives into these these spots. I mean Mike Carey was a true conservative in OH15. I think that I'd like to I'd like to think that I helped with that campaign a little bit knocking on doors, making phone calls, making social media posts. But with that i'm 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 really trying to work on the front lines grassroots wise with campaigns trying to make sure that conservatives are elected because we have too many rhinos in Congress. We have too many, like I said, Republicans in name only. we have too many non-conservative Republicans in office that really don't want to conserve anything morally or conservatively and not morally. but uh, socially or conservatively, in economics either. And I really think that we need to move forward with more conservatives and tr- conservatives like you and I trying to reach out to these true conservative campaigns, trying to make sure that they are being represented by the younger generation, getting some of that Gen Z vote, getting some of that millennial vote, and working to grow their presence. And I, that's what I'm doing right now.
1: Yeah, no, I think it was a
2: very messy answer.
1: (laughs) You're fine. I think you're doing, I think you're doing great work. You know, I think it's, I think it's been reward. I think it'll be rewarding in the future. Uh, I mean, I I think I was doing it for two, three years before I even hit my first 10,000 followers. Um, You know, and and the conservative crusader is great. It's a great thing. Uh, It's a great show that comes out. What Thursdays at
2: three Thursdays at three. Yes.
1: Okay, cool. So actually I can listen to it on my way to between classes. Um, So perfect. So Josh, you know, obviously supporting Mike Carey, supporting Jane Temkin. Uh, GOP Josh.com. Correct. Yes. Sorry. It's still early in the morning. Is it, are you in central or are you in Eastern time? I always forget.
2: At Eastern time. yes. Okay, Ohio cool. is was all of Eastern.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I'm having a Ohio Senate candidate on tomorrow or not Ohio, uh, Oklahoma Senate candidate on tomorrow. And, uh, we, uh, I was like, yeah, you probably want to call in on the second hour. Um, because it'll be a little bit later in the day for you. But yeah, so the conservative crusader, what do you have? In, what do you, you got anything in the works that we can know about? I mean, maybe a book, maybe something like that. Come on, keep the people engaged.
2: Not a book. I've been uh, trying to grow my presence with that, with my op-eds at com slash opinions, mm-hmm. all self-published, all written and edited by myself. So if there's gr- grammatical is- uh, errors, blame me. But uh, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm just trying to advocate for a conservative future for now i'd like to write a book in the future if you have any connections with that but not really anything big in the works right now or now i have
1: a publishing contract with a a publishing company to write two books for
2: all right Well, well we'll have to get in touch about that but nothing big right now just trying to work on my show growing my presence so i can continue working for these campaigns online trying to make sure that they are represented and the Gen Z vote is getting out. The Gen Z conservative vote is getting out for true conservatives, not just the conservatives. Fox News likes to, likes mm-hmm. to pr- pump up on their shows.
1: Okay. Well, we got, I got about three, four more minutes with you, Josh, before I got to wrap up the show. So, Josh, anything you want to – how about this? I'm going to do a fire round. I'm going to say the name of a policy, of a person, of a politician. You let me know what comes to mind, okay? All right. Great. All right. Constitutional carry. Very important. Okay. Uh, Mitt Romney. Uh, is that your answer okay (laughs) yeah that's my answer uh donald trump
2: the fighter we need for the maga obviously the maga movement the conservative movement to move away from the promenade republicans
1: okay so josh do you know what 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 is the first election you'll be able to vote in, 2024? Because you won't be able to vote 2024, by 2024. Because you won't primary, be able to vote by 2022. That's, hey, that, that's – people don't understand this. Primaries are the most important, really. It really is. Um, because, I'll be
2: 17, but Ohio law says I can still vote in primaries.
1: Yeah, because, you know, yeah, I, I think Georgia law is like that too. You can vote in – as long as you're 17 and a half because it's like a six-month gap. You are able to vote in yeah. the primaries. I do believe. I could be wrong. I'm not a lawyer. We should have asked the last that, guy. That's I'm how the last it is in no Ohio. That's how it is in Ohio. The last guy was a lawyer. We should have asked him. Well, um, yeah, because <laughs> primaries kind of aren't like a constitutional thing, but they kind of yeah. are now. It's weird. All right, so Josh, um, like I said, so GOPjosh.com. Uh, he's a great young conservative. I've been following him probably for, what, I don't know, a year and a half, two years. I don't even know how long. It's been a while. Um, you do great work, man. Please keep it up. Please come up. We can make this a weekly thing if you want it. You come on, you know, we'll we'll find a time every week. We come on, we talk about something. What do you think about that, Josh?
2: I could try. <laughs> we can that's <laughs> no all we
1: can ask for as long as you try. Um, but yeah, so GOPjosh.com. Again, gopjosh.com. Uh, I do want to ask you one last question before I let you go. I know you probably get some schoolwork to get done today because you are 15. Uh, what is it, how do you feel that the leading white supremacist in California is Larry Elder? How do you feel about that?
2: Well, with the governor race in uh, California, I, I honestly am not supporting any Republicans. I know that's very hypocritical for my name because I don't think a Republican could get anything done. For the optics, I think it's really hilarious that Larry Elder is the leading white supremacist in the state— just for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. but if we're taking about the, uh, talking about the election more generally, a conservative is not going to get anything done besides, say, I'm a Republican and I get elected in California. That's the only serious thing that's going to get done, and I don't agree with all of his policies, but I want you guys looking to meet Kevin Pathrack. Have you
1: heard of that name before? I do know meet Kevin.
2: Yes, he is a, he's a Democrat. He describes himself a JFK-style Democrat. He says he's 51-49, so he's not really on either side. And I think – I know we're talking about Larry Elder, but I think he's a better choice for Republicans in um, the state of California because Larry Elder, obviously, it would be monumental for a Republican, especially a black Republican, to get elected in the state of California. But I really don't think the identity politics is more important than getting something done for the state. I mean I'm not in that state, so I can't say anything about that really, mm-hmm. but I really do think a a moderate Democrat, a very, very moderate Democrat would be a better option than Gavin Newsom. And maybe a better option than Larry Elder because there's a veto override majority. There is a uh, executive order override majority in the legislature in California. So he really won't get anything done.
1: Yeah, I think you're 100% correct. He could get rid of the mask mandates, I believe. Um, But GOP Josh, thank you so much for coming on. I will make sure that we send people to GOPJosh.com. Josh is a great young conservative, and I really do think he will be a big fighter for liberty. Thank you so much for coming on, Josh. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, of course. We can do this every week. Yeah, Josh. Josh really is, you know, a really, a really great guy. He really is. Um, a good friend of mine. Uh, we have a lot. We have a good show coming uh, for you tomorrow. We got Al Robertson coming on uh, from the Duck Dynasty family. Uh, he apparently now has a beard, which is really cool. Al's a good friend. He's coming on tomorrow. Uh, we'll be taking your calls again tomorrow. Um, so I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. I'm really enjoying the, su- the success, roughly, that this show has been having so far in its first week. And we'll have a great show. I will not have a show on Friday, unfortunately, um, because I have to speak the night before that I agreed to before I started doing this thing daily. So there won't be no show Friday. Um, so I apologize for that. Um, I, may, I think I'm, I may, I'm working on trying to get a guest host. Uh, kind of hard to find somebody who wants to wake up and do a 7 to 9 a.m. So I'm trying to get a guest host. We'll see how that goes. Um, But make sure if you have any questions at all, you email them to me, Noah at noaring.org. Again, that's Noah at Noah Please email them to me go ahead and save the phone number 904-441-8283 904-441-8283 to call in tomorrow because we will be taking your phone calls live uh, from seven to nine. I think what I really want to do is ideally I want my, the Friday show eventually to be where I, the, all the Friday show is taking phone calls for the most part, unless something crazy happens. I want the Friday show to be where I'm just purely pretty much taking phone calls. Um, but I, I really do appreciate the support that we've been getting so far. We've had, we've a, you know, we've had a great show um, really quickly in the next four minutes. we got to cover this. Joe Biden was five hours late to a press conference, but we're building back better. That's what he said. And marks the third time this week, he's hosted a press conference and not taken a single question. I remember when the left personally used to attack Trump for not answering certain questions, but Biden doesn't answer any questions. So I guess if you're a Republican listening to this in the future, just don't answer any questions at all. Just turn around while the country is on fire, while the Middle East is on fire, while we have a a gas crisis, an inflation crisis, a Middle Eastern crisis, and every type of crisis, a border crisis, while we have all these crises. Just do not answer any questions at all. Uh, the Taliban accepted a no extension deadline. And what that means is the CIA director, and I'll never trust the CIA, I don't really care, uh, said that he met with you know the leaders of the Taliban and tried to request um, some sort of extension. And I think perhaps he should have given them chocolate, chocolate ice cream. I think that really would have helped. But the Taliban said that there would be consequential... Uh, circumstance, It would be consequential if we're not out by August 31st. We're already back to Obama. I feel like I'm a 13-year-old again living under President Obama. Crimea is about to get, um, what's that word, annexed again. Um, but really, we are back to Obama. Pallets of ballots, pallets of, of, of cash that you and I sent to the federal government will be in the hands of the Taliban before the end of the year. You can take that to the bank. You are listening to the fastest-growing show in America the Let Freedom Ring radio show. U.S. allies turn to Russia for help. The Germ- Germany, the U.K., French, and Italy have turned to Vladimir Putin because they think he is more reliable than President Joe Biden. And I don't know what that shows about anything other than President Joe Biden is less trustworthy than, I guess you could call him president. I would call him dictator Vladimir Putin. That's personally. Make sure you go to PatrickWitt.com. Make sure you go to Bogus.com. For Congress.com. Make sure you go to GOPJosh.com if you want to learn more about any one of my guests. GOPJosh.com, Bogus for Congress.com, that's B O G G U S for Congress.com, um, and Patrick Witt, P A T R I C K W I T T.com. Thank them all for coming on. They're all uh, good friends of mine. So without further ado, that is the end of the show for today. I will see you here tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Make sure you get ready to call at 9 8283 904 441 8283. Thank you so much, and you guys have a good rest of your day.
0: Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Free speech is under assault like never before.
1: Freedom is under attack more now than ever before.
0: Because radical doesn't mean crazy. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR 15.
1: With the help of the media, big tech, and the global elite, the left is attempting to seize control of my generation. It's time to fight back. It's time to let freedom ring.